why did God not answer the way I thought that he would? Um, we read many verses uh, uh, all over scripture about uh, regarding iniquity in our heart and the Lord won't hear us and uh, there's this condition and that condition and um, how, how do we qualify as a child of God to have prayer answered and to be victorious in prayer? What does it all mean? Huge subject. Uh, if we look at the um, uh, graphic here, the illustration uh, of uh, abiding in Christ, we have pictures of grapes. I am the vine, he said. There's no vine in view there, but it has to be there. You are the branches, he said. Do we see any branches? Don't see any branches. What do we see? We see the fruit. Uh, the fruit is dependent on the branch being connected to the vine, which is what Pastor Adrian uh, has been reminding us of uh, all morning. Uh, the glory of God was one of his uh, great themes repeated over and over and over uh, as being that which pertains to the Christian life. Uh, much of what I was going to say has been said already, uh, but we'll look at uh, just a, a few little things. Some of us have said, and we've heard said perhaps, can't be in two places at once. And we generally say that because we're busy and uh, we've got many things to do. But can I say that the believer is not uh, only uh, blessed with the possibility of that, uh, but we are in two places at once. We are in the world and we are in the heavenlies, are we not? Uh, we are uh, in a body of flesh, but we are in Christ. So a wonderful, dynamic and a difficult thing for us to deal with. Abiding in prayer. Uh, prayer and abiding are so interwoven uh, that, uh, and I would recommend uh, Andrew Murray's book to you to read. Uh, he has a little chapter on prayer. Uh, where he talks about that uh, relationship uh, of prayer and abiding. Uh, we abide because we pray and we pray because we abide. Uh, we can not really tease them apart and separate them any more than you can have a cluster of grapes hanging in the abstract without a branch that isn't connected to the vine. Without that, there are no grapes. There is no beauty. There is no refreshment and there is no blessing, as Pastor Adrian pointed out. The grapes are not for the vine to eat. They're not for the branches to enjoy. Uh, they're put there for the benefit of others. So how does that all relate to us uh, and prayer? A huge subject. To abide in Christ is to pray. What does it mean to pray? Prayer is conversation with God, is it not? And uh, how often are we reminded that conversation uh, is speaking and listening? And God gave us one mouth and two ears, so we should be doing twice as much listening as speaking, perhaps. But is that how we see prayer? Uh, is that what happens when we go into our closet, as we sometimes say? Uh, we go into the place of prayer 
a little bit like the um, Russian dolls. You've seen perhaps those uh, wooden carved Russian dolls and there's a big one and you unscrew the head and then there's another one inside that and you unscrew that one, there's another one inside that and you've got the tiniest little doll in something that started out to be a big thing. One inside the other, inside the other, inside the other. Prayer and abiding is just exactly like that. You can't separate them, one inside the other. What does it mean to abide? Uh, To abide, uh, a lexicon will tell us, uh, has the idea uh, of uh, entering into uh, the reality and the fullness of the one in whom we abide, if we're talking about two people. Uh, To be at one with him, uh, to see him in every facet. So let's look at the Lord Jesus. He is the subject And uh, let's look at what he said in John chapter 15. And uh, if you have a Bible there and you'd like to follow along, uh, we'll begin in verse 15. And we know we're in the upper room. We know it's the Lord's last night with his disciples. Uh, We know he has already taken them to the upper room in Jerusalem that was prepared that they might celebrate the Passover Uh, We know that there was a a basin of water and a towel uh, in the corner by the door and everybody walked past it and they took their place and they had their supper. And then the Lord uh, took off his outer garment and girded himself with a towel, picked up the basin and went and knelt at the feet of each one of his disciples. And he washed their feet. And he told them this was a picture of the forgiveness of sin, not that we're washed with water. He told them, and we read many times, we're washed in his blood. But he did that to demonstrate his forgiveness for them and the humility that is required of a servant that he had called them to be as they followed him. Uh, Then uh, he tells Peter that Peter will deny him and Peter says, "I'll, I'll go anywhere with you, Lord. These others might not, but I will. You can count on me. And before the night was out, Peter was to deny him as well. And in chapter 14, he begins, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Encouraging them. And then he tells them this story, uh, this illustration uh, of the fruit and the vine and the branches. And uh, he relates it to himself uh, as uh, the genuine vine, the true vine, Uh, Not the uh, false uh, vines uh, that um, bear wild grapes that Israel had become uh, to their shame. And uh, he teaches them regarding himself. Uh, And in a couple of verses in particular, uh, he mentions the connection of prayer in this context. And beginning in chapter 15, verse 1, we read, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches." 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man not abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Abiding is mentioned uh, 11 times in this little passage here, if we take it down to uh, the end of the conversation. But verse uh, 7 in particular, uh, we need to look at. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Sounds simple. Sounds complicated. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? What a prospect. Abide in me, he says. And there's the little word if, so we'll get to the conditional aspect of it in a little while. Uh, But uh, in a sense, uh, it's almost um, uh, impossible for a Christian to not abide uh, so why is this um, abide in me a command? Uh, if it's already something that's done, how can it be something that's required at the same time? This is deep stuff here. To know him. Some of you would have uh, heard of or read uh, of uh, John Hyde, praying Hyde. Uh, old camel knees, as he was sometimes called, um, a missionary, an evangelist, a preacher in uh, North uh, India in particular, uh, towards the turn of the uh, century from 1800s to 1900. Um, uh, he preached there, uh, and uh, many were won to Christ uh, through his uh, work there. Uh, and he was known for his times of prayer he would many times even miss a meeting that he was scheduled to preach at uh, because uh, he was praying Uh, and uh, on one occasion it was such that uh, he was praying uh, uh, on his knees uh, by his bed uh, and uh, his uh, attendant who would come with his breakfast uh, put the breakfast down and uh, the breakfast didn't get eaten Uh, then time for the morning meeting came and uh, Hyde was still on his knees praying Uh, lunch came and went, Uh, the afternoon meetings came and went, the evening came and went, Uh, the following morning came uh, and uh, one of his companions, his co-workers, um, thought he'd just watch him to see how long he would be there. He'd been there all night and all day, praying, not eating, uh, silent. Uh, And uh, after a little time... uh, Hyde got up off his knees and uh, went to his friend and um, started sharing what he had experienced in his time of prayer. And he was talking about uh, abiding in Christ, uh, having some time with the Lord. 
And uh, he said that he had learned so many new things about the Lord uh, and uh, had uh, entered into his um, humiliation in leaving the glories of heaven. Uh, And he meditated on that and pondered on that. Uh, And uh, the Lord did more speaking to Hyde than Hyde did speaking to the Lord. That's really the uh, outcome of all of that. But a whole night and a day in being with the Lord in prayer. Uh, And the next day he shares what he has seen and learned and heard of the Lord. Uh, From heaven's glory to his humiliation and suffering. Uh, the rejection of a humanity that he came to save. No wonder the Lord often escaped to the mountains to pray or to a desert place where few would want to follow, uh, places of hardship, places of solitude. Uh, And if the Lord needed so to pray to his heavenly Father and have that communion and that connection Uh, that he likens here to uh, like the the vine and the branch. Uh, The branch only has life because the vine is life. It only produces fruit because there is that vital connection, uh, that abiding. And Hyde says uh, how he learned of uh, what the Lord endured for him. And it was said of him uh, often, but uh, one time in particular... Uh, One could see from his face that it was the presence of Christ that strengthened his weak body after a night of prayer and fasting. And I ask myself, uh, can that be said of me? Have I ever spent long enough with the Lord that his radiance would shine from me? Not that I have any, not that Moses had any when he went on the mountain for 40 days and nights, And maybe it takes more than a 10-minute prayer here or there or more than a half an hour prayer here or there or more than a half night of a prayer here or there uh, but a constant abiding which is what the theme of our gathering here is all about. And if that's what it takes, should we be content with less? We've been challenged with two messages this morning. Uh, the theme of uh, most of it uh, from what I, I was taking in from where I've been and what I've come to prepare, uh, that God would be glorified. Uh, that's why we put off the rubbish and put on the new. Uh, not that people would say, well, look at him. Wow, isn't that good? But look at the God that did this for him. Look at the saviour that he has laid down his life to serve. Willingly, lovingly, selflessly, that God would be glorified. That's the connection that we're talking about here today. It was said of uh, John Wesley, when he was older, it needs to be said, when he was younger, he was not as gracious as he proved to be in his old age. But it was said of him in his later years, so fine an old man I never saw. The happiness of his mind beamed forth In his countenance, every look showed how fully he enjoyed the remembrance of his life well spent. It's pretty good, isn't it? Comes from abiding. No shortcut, no easy fix, no quick abiding 
and moving on. Uh, to abide, uh, we need to remind ourselves, uh, talks about staying, talks about long term, uh, talks about uh, um, a real life-giving connection that is permanent. That's what the Lord is saying, uh, is a description of him and his father, and he says he's also of himself and his disciple. A permanent, life-giving connection that gives energy and ability and produces wonderful fruit for the blessing of everyone. What a wonderful thing it is to be a Christian. It's a thrilling thing, is it not, to be a Christian. Uh, If uh, I could give you the uh, main points of the outline so that if uh, we lose you along the way, you will at least have a few things scribbled down on your piece of paper to remember. Uh, Everybody that has looked at this passage that I've read, and uh, I've read Andrew Murray, and it's a, a very worthwhile book, Um, F.B. Meyer, uh, many others uh, have written on this subject and it's all wonderful. Uh, And all the studies uh, would uh, come to a a more or less similar conclusion uh, and reveal that prayer, first of all, must be for the glory of God and his kingdom. That would be point number one. Prayer must be for the glory of God and his kingdom. Then uh, you can perhaps leave a space and uh, secondly... Uh, put down uh, then that prayer must be in Christ's name. And we'll look at what that means. Uh, Then thirdly, or third and fourth, depending on whether you want four or five, and it makes little difference, uh, that uh, this prayer needs to be in harmony with the word of God, and either a sub-point or an additional point in harmony with the will of God. The word of God and the will of God are different, uh, but they are integral and inseparable at the same time as well. And then fourthly, um, if ye abide in me. So there needs to be abiding uh, if this uh, prayer is going to be effective. And if it can be said, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That's a huge statement. Huge statement. So, prayer, that is to the glory of God. If you turn back to uh, chapter 14 of John and verse 13, we read, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. And the reason stated very clearly uh, with the little word that, that is often uh, in the scripture to lead us to a a conclusion or a reason, uh, some understanding, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Whatsoever ye do, ask in my name, you shall ask in my name, Uh, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So we have uh, this uh, connection between the Father and the Son uh, and us, Uh, as his children, as his disciples, Uh, and even as we were reminded uh, in Pastor Adrian's message uh, in uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer, that is John chapter 17, uh, his prayer is uh, that uh, the the believers uh, that he had left to be in the world uh, would glorify the Father in their life. Uh, 
and he prayed not that uh, we would be removed from the world or that uh, our troubles would be taken away, but that we would be victorious in them, that it would be seen that God is able to do this for his people. Uh, And he can lead us to ask for things that God has no trouble answering at all. And he can lead us to abandon the things that ought not even to be prayed. And there are many things that we pray, many things that I have prayed, uh, that uh, the Lord has shown me that was a foolish thing to pray for. Uh, About three and a half years ago, I prayed that God would take away a cough uh, that I had that I had for four months I coughed and, uh, and the long and the short of it is that we prayed that the Lord would take the cough away uh, and he didn't and it ended up in uh, the diagnosis of my pancreatic cancer for which I had surgery uh, and am to this day a survivor. Uh, so he taught me that sometimes you can pray a foolish thing. Uh, Lord would you take away, the, had they taken away the cough Before they found the cancer, they would not have found the cancer and I wouldn't be here today. But as soon as they did find the cancer, the cough stopped. How good was that? So I did have an answer to prayer, but it was in God's time, not in mine. And that's one of the things, isn't it, that's difficult. Because we think that prayer is directing God to do something for us. When it's exactly the opposite, it's us trying to get in line with what God is wanting to do and trying to do and uh, bringing glory to himself because he is worthy of it all. And the the cluster of grapes, uh, the wonderful, beautiful uh, end result of this union is what we see and we marvel at, but would not be possible without the vine and would not be possible without uh, the privilege of the branch bearing that wonderful fruit. The glory of God alone is the supreme purpose in prayer. And we get some fringe benefits along the way, no doubt. But that's not the reason for it. That's not the reason he says here in chapter 15 and verse 7 uh, and also in um, uh, verse 15 and 16. We, if we have time, we'll get there as well. Uh, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We can only pray for the glory of God if we are living for the glory of God. It's been Pastor Adrian's message all morning. We need to abandon the old rubbish, the old life, the old what we used to be and what should be seen in us as a Christian is him needs to be him and if that is where our prayer is directed then how can God not answer that that's his stated purpose it's a wonderful thing it's a simple thing it's an easy thing but it's not an easy thing when the flesh is in the way so the glory of God the glory of the father is uh, the purpose the one purpose that Christ came to earth was to glorify the Father. Yes, he came to be our sin bearer, absolutely. Yes, he came to be humiliated. Yes, he came to be crucified. Uh, Yes, he came to show us that the tomb was empty and that he has ascended to heaven, all of that, but for what reason? For the glory of the Father, because it was from before the foundation of the world declared 
that the Father would send the Son to be the Saviour of the world, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, was God's purpose. His glory. The Lord Jesus said that he came, that the Father would be glorified, that he came to instruct his disciples that they also would glorify the Father. F.B. Meyer puts it in the form of a question. Whatever petition we offer should be submitted to this standard. And uh, we do have some requirements here because um, there's some conditions. Uh, There are many things that are unconditional uh, that God gives to us. Uh, His grace and his mercy. Uh, I suppose the condition is that we accept it, that we believe it. But there's nothing that we need to do to qualify in that sense. But to enter into this uh, asking what we will, uh, there is a qualification. There needs to be abiding. So that's why we're looking at what this means. Uh, Maya puts it this way. Can we establish it in the presence of God that our request will promote the glory of the Father? So whatever you have on your prayer list... um, can you answer the question, yes, my Father in heaven will be glorified if he grants me this, if I even dare ask for this? Or is it about me? Or is it about my problem? Or about my health? And we have problems and health, and he doesn't say don't pray about them either, but it's a matter of focus and perspective that we've been reminded of all morning. Um, it's not wrong to put off the flesh. It's not wrong to... Uh, have a, a list of rules if it will help you glorify God, but if you think you're going to please God because of your self-effort, then it is wrong, it is a waste, and it's not worthy to be considered by the Christian. By the legalist, bring it on. More boxes, the better. You can have a, a, a whole row of ticks and you feel terrific about yourself and you've accomplished absolutely nothing. But we can have a prayer list like that too. and accomplish absolutely nothing that made you make us feel good. I did this. I did that. I prayed for this. I sacrificed that. And the Lord says, if ye abide in me. So how's the abiding going today? Are we abiding? Are we running? Are we sleeping? Are we energising the flesh? What does a branch do on a grapevine? Just sits there. Just enjoys being a branch. And then the husbandman comes along and says, don't need that bit. We'll get to that in a minute. But it's because he wants us to be fruitful. We want to have a fruitful prayer life, don't we? For the glory of the Father. It is impossible to seek the glory of God Consistently when we have selfish aims. Can't be selfish. Can't be selfish in the Christian life in anything anyway. Least of all in prayer. We read, be ye holy for I am holy. Peter referring to Old Testament book of Leviticus. Talking about a holy life. Uh, Not that we can tick some boxes and say I've arrived. But that we can say this would please my heavenly father. I'm just privileged to be a branch here that one day he's going to plonk some fruit on and people are going to say, wow, how good is that? 
not, what a clever branch. Look how wonderfully that branch is formed. They might go up to the gnarled old vine. So this old vine's been here for a long time. It's been pruned back every year. And every year there is life and there is growth and there is fruit. And the Lord says, abide in me. I am the true vine. God, deity, life giver, life sustainer, energizer, miracle worker, God of the impossible. Wonderful stuff. Then secondly, we need to be praying in Christ's name. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, John fourteen thirteen said. Throughout the scriptures we understand uh, asking for something in the name of something uh, has to do with uh, asking in accordance with the nature of that other person. Uh, if we do something in the name of XYZ, then it's consistent with what XYZ is. Uh, is this uh, request uh, that we make in Jesus' name, and we often uh, tack that on to the end of a prayer, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm asking is what does that mean? What does that mean to us? What does it mean to our Heavenly Father? To have people asking things in his name when it's nothing that he would ever ask for that would be done. And we say we're doing it in his name. So we're doing it by his authority on his behalf as it were. uh, Asking what he would ask. That he would do what he would do. And we know many of the things that he would do are different to the things that we would want. He wants to sometimes lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we say, give me the still waters and the green pastures, please. And then he has to knock on the door of our heart and say, this is the still water and the green pasture. Might look like the valley of the shadow of death, but this is where I've led you. And I have invited you to be a follower, have I not? And you have said, I will follow you, Lord. I want to abide with you in Christ's name. So we shouldn't pray in the flesh, as we sometimes say. We shouldn't pray according to our nature, uh, our nature of being impatient and wanting it now and um, being sometimes, sadly can I say, without offending anybody, uh, superficial. There's nothing shallow about a connection between a branch and a vine. This is essential. This is life-giving. This is so basic that without it there is nothing. Praying in the nature of our Saviour brings to mind the fruit of the Spirit, does it not? The things that we've had mentioned already many times today. The old nature, the self-nature, the flesh nature excludes boasting, is pure, is peaceable, is loving, is kind, is compassionate, is gracious. Not thinking ill of anybody. You can go through the list in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 16 faceted aspect of what love is. That's how we should pray for ourselves, for each other. Uh, for your workers, for your family, for those that are lost. Supposed to love them, not be revolted by them. Revolted by the sin, yes. 
absolutely. But love them, help them in their misery. And we were there once, were we not? We know what that misery means. We know what that struggle is. Uh, we know what that lack of peace is and what it does. Uh, just it gnaws away and eats you up inside. You've got nothing. People living with that every day. Pray in Christ's name. In the fullness of Calvary, sacrifice to the uttermost, to the end. Enduring everything to the end. Praying as the Lord prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. In an agony, in an anguish, not for himself. In the power of Pentecost. And don't we love that? 3,000 people saved in a day from one simple message takes you about five minutes to read. Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God, Messiah, Christ, God in the flesh, Saviour. And people said, what, what do we do? How do we receive him? Must have been some prayer going up in those days as they waited in the upper room, trembling and fearful. And then when they had the opportunity, who was it that had the opportunity but the one who was the denier around the little fire? The one who sat around another little fire in John 21 and said, Lord, I love you. Not in the way that you love me. It's no comparison, but I love you. And the Lord said to him three times, feed them. My lambs, my sheep, feed them, feed them. And even then Peter said, well, what about him? Talking to John, and what did the Lord say? Forget about him, I'll, I'll take care of him, you take care of yourself. Don't worry about what other people are doing for me. We sometimes get a little bit carried away with that. What is his authority if we're talking about praying in his name? And it is his authority in which we seek to pray, is it not? Not in our own. What sort of authority do we have? Can we order anybody around the creator of the universe saying, God, would you do this, please? Or some of our other brethren in different circles uh, shout and demand and they, they order God to do different things and they expect God to do it. And... Is that abiding, I ask myself? Ask what he would ask. And what would he ask for the likes of us? What would he ask for this church here, for Mount Cathedral, Community Baptist Church? What would the Lord be asking would happen here with you, with this community? Only as we are able to say we would do this in the name of Jesus should we be praying in the name of Jesus. And to link the uh, prayer and the abiding, um, it's impossible to separate anyway, but um, uh, abiding uh, results in a desire to pray. If there's no desire to pray, perhaps uh, you need to ask, uh, am I abiding, am I remaining in him, am I connected to him, am I uh, drawing on him for life? 
not for salvation, that's a settled thing and uh, we need have no fear of that. Uh, we don't have time to go into all the, uh, the things uh, pictured in this passage here. Uh, but the uh, rejection, uh, the casting off uh, of a child of God is not what's pictured here. It talks about those that uh, are uh, not abiding, those that are not connected, those that do not have life. And if we see this vine and the branches, as I have come to understand it, having studied this and agonised over this for 30 years more, that if the Lord is the vine, and there's the plurals in all of this, ye are the branches, you're not one branch and you're not another branch and you're an unfruitful one so he'll cut you off. No, he is the vine and we are the branches collective, plural if you like. And there's some branches in me that do need to be cut off. Uh, there's some dead wood and we might get to it if we have time. There are things in my life and your life perhaps that need to be pruned. That we would be fruitful. But it doesn't mean that we'll be lost. The reason for the pruning is that there would be fruit. The only things that get taken off and used... Uh, um, for a, a secondary function, they become firewood rather than bearers of a cluster of grapes. They weren't meant to be firewood, but if they're dead, if there's rubbish, if there's some aspect of our life that is hindering our abiding, he says, I'll take care of that. You need to be rid of this. You need to be without that. And we in our heart know, don't we, what we need to be without but sometimes we don't have the power to snip our arm off or pluck out our eye, as he says we need to do if they're a hindrance. So he says, I'll take care of that. I know what's dead. I know what's diseased. I know what uh, uh, harbours um, uh, a stronghold for the enemy and is hindering your growth. I know what all that is. I'll take care of that. All you've got to do is lie there just like a branch does. In his name. Pray in his name. If we're going to pray in his name, we ought to live for his name. Pretty basic, isn't it? So let's, as we pray, ask the Lord to help us uh, to do that as well. Uh, then thirdly, uh, living uh, in uh, harmony with the word of God and the will of God. There's a challenge. Living in harmony with the word of God and the will of God. If ye abide in me, if ye abide. More than the implication, uh, the uh, certainty of it is that if we do not abide and the word of God doesn't abide in us, if we have no connection with the word of God, if there is no uh, instruction given uh, and uh, received. There is certainly instruction given, but is it heeded? Uh, if we do not abide, uh, then we can expect that uh, we will not even know what to ask. And why should we expect an answer? But if you do abide, if the word of God abides in us, if there is a life in the love of God. And we pray in faith, believing 
In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord puts it very simply and uh, with such power, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is that something that we are pursuing, the kingdom of God? Lots of agendas possible, selfishness, even as a Christian. Love your enemies, pray for them that despitefully use you. The list could be a very long list, and we're not on about making lists, but you know what, I'm, I'm not contradicting the previous preacher. When, uh, we're not having a list for the sake of a list. But the Lord says there are things that belong in the Christian life. There are things that we need to put on. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit needs to grow. We need to put off all the stuff of the old. Uh, they're, they're a list, nothing wrong with the list. But we're not going to be saved by a list. We're not going to be sanctified by the list. We're going to be saved and sanctified by abiding in the vine. Not that our salvation is conditional of abiding. We don't have to hang on to him. He's already hanging on to us. John chapter 10, is he not? If uh, our survival depended on our hanging on to him, it would be like a little kid with uh, uh, tiny little hands uh, him hanging on to me as we're trying to cross the road. But that's not how it works, is it, when we have little children? What do we do? Uh, we, with our whopping great big hand, we grab hold of that little hand or that little arm and we say, you're with me. It's the other way around, is it not? And that's how it needs to be and that's the wonder of how it is. By his design, his ability. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Love your enemies. In the world you shall have tribulation. Lord, take it away. It's too hard. I need a break. And the Lord says, I know what you need. <laughs> and we need pruning. We need refining. We need to be abiding. The words of our Lord forbid unsuitable prayer. Stir the heart with great desire to please him. But then we've got to be listening to him. We've got to be doing a little more of what John Hyde did uh, that day and the night uh, as he contemplated uh, the, the wonder of a, a saviour coming from glory. It wasn't him speaking, it was him Listening, him taking in, uh, him getting nourishment from the vine, the, the, the energy, the strength, uh, the, the ability to produce anything, uh, to then stand up and preach after he'd been fasting and praying all day and people saw the radiance of his face that was more powerful than the weakness of his body. That's what abiding and praying is all about. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And then to be in accordance with the will of God, we, we understand that uh, the will of God is not a secret. Um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, foundational. If we would understand the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, we need to surrender our bodies as a living sacrifice. Just lie there as the branch, say, I want to take the energy from the vine and it will, I will be a conduit, I will be a vessel uh, I will be a part of the body. I will be a, 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 a living brick in the wall. All these pictures that we have all through scripture, it all comes to the same thing. Abide in me. And my words abide in you. Well, we've got to let them in. We've got to let them take hold. We've got to let them have some impact in our life. And then if all of that is true, 
you shall ask what you will. And there'll be no frivolity, there'll be no shallowness, there'll be no superficial, there'll be no selfish, there'll be no asking amiss. God will take care of that. He says, I'll give you what the desires of your heart are. It's not what we want, is it? It's him giving us the desires of his heart to be our heart because we're supposed to be one together. And then you can ask anything and it'll be done. It's pretty good, isn't it? Amazing that God would do that for us. And then lastly, if you abide in me, remain in the Lord. Wonderful challenge. How often does the zeal become fragile, though? How often does perseverance falter? How often does persistence fade and we put it on cruise control, our Christian life, and we settle for so little? The still small voice that we long to hear is lost in the noise of the crowd that has so overwhelmed us that we can't hear the still and the small because we've become infatuated with the superficial and the nonsense of the world. We haven't put off enough or put on enough to hear. God answers and his voice is lost in the noise of life. And he says, if ye abide, if ye abide. To abide is to remain, to remain in good fellowship, can I say? Keep short accounts with God. You've all heard that's all basic stuff, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing much more basic than a vine and some branches and a piece of fruit as an illustration of what we are in Christ. Uh, It was known, it was every day. Uh, You can drive around uh, out here and uh, some of you may have a grapevine at home. You, you You know all this. But many of us are not agricultural anymore. We're, we're too cocooned from real things and uh, we get stuff out of a plastic carton and out of a bag and we don't have to labour, we don't have to grow, we don't have to pray, we don't have to wait for the rain and say thank you Lord when it comes because everything's just all so easy, too superficial these days. So we need to remain, we need to abide The word of God needs to abide in us, the milk of it to begin with and then we need to graduate to some bread and some meat and then it becomes the mirror and the sword and the honey and uh, all that it is just a rich in doing for us. And then our obedient service is what the Lord is entitled to expect. So some questions regarding abiding, are we? How do we? Can we know that we are? Could I just say that we can know that we are abiding if there's fruit? Because fruit will come. It just has to when the time is right. It will be there. As we abide. Verse number two. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch in me that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Pruning indicates fruitfulness. So if you uh, are getting a bit of a haircut at the moment, it's good. It's good. Might be a car crash. 
might be a visit to the hospital, might be a trip to the undertaker, might be a repeated visit to the graveside over and over, loss of a loved one. The husbandman does the pruning and he knows what to prune. He's qualified. He knows when to prune. We don't prune in the middle of a growth spurt. We prune when there's a dormancy. And why do we prune? We prune that there would be fruit. Not to hurt the vine, not to mutilate uh, the beauty of it, but to enhance. And sometimes, uh, even like with tomatoes, uh, when you nip off all the the little new buds, because you, you don't want 500 little tomatoes, you want maybe two dozen really monstrous ones, don't you? So the Lord takes some of the good things out of our lives so that there can be some better things. And we're sometimes foolish enough to resent it or misunderstand it. And we say, why would God do this? Why has God stopped loving me? He sent this or he's taken that and he hasn't allowed this. And it's not God stopped loving you at all. He loves us even more, but we don't get it yet. That's what abiding will produce. It will allow us to hang around long enough to get it. Does that sound too simple? It's pretty hard to do. It's pretty hard to do, and you know that. A prayer life also is evidence of abiding. Uh, If you've got a desire to pray and you don't even know what to pray and you're just on your knees or on your face and and you might be there for an hour or two and you've read a few passages and and your mind just starts to wander. If it wanders into the world, we've got trouble and we know the devil loves to do that. Isn't that the most distracting time when we set ourselves to pray? All the rubbish that comes into your head. It's the devil wanting to keep us from listening to what God would want to say. So if we clear the clutter and we get our list of stuff done and we say, Lord, I'm here to pray, would you speak to me? I think I'm ready to listen. I think I'm okay now. I've turned the phone off and I've blotted this out and I haven't even turned the computer on and I can listen for a little while. And it might be a long while. Wouldn't it be good if it was a long while? As long as it was for John Hyde or as long as it was for George Mueller, or as long as it was for the Lord in the garden, or for the disciples on the mountain, or on the boat as they're rowing and and straining and the Lord's up on the mountain praying and he sees them. He says, I need to take care of my boys. He comes to us. He said, they've been abiding. I'll be faithful. He's never let anybody down yet. The long nights of life when we pray and we can't find words and we understand the beauty and the wonder of the psalmist when he says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes it takes a long time for that sun to come up. He says, I'm with you there. I'm speaking to you. I'm, I'm pumping my life into your life that there'd be wonderful fruit here one day. Abiding uh, is, if I could put it this way, the status quo. It's the normal Christian life. It's normal for the branches and the vine to be connected in that vital way. It's, if you like, in our language today, the default position. That's what it is. 
And if we're not enjoying that, then we have severed the connection because he would never do that. Hasn't he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Never? He's never on a holiday. He's never on a sabbatical. Never too busy. Always there. Because we have liberty to choose, we are not like the physical grapevine and the branches, that they have no choice but to be there. Uh, Blessed thought, great responsibility. We have the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility to choose to abide in the vine as we have been called upon to put off the old man, the works of the flesh, all the rubbish. The construction is that we have to do that. God could quite easily take it off us. But he says, you put it off. This is for you to do and you put it on. And we need to do the abiding even though it's necessary and it's essential and it's like breathing. But we still have to do it. And I've gone too long, I can tell. So, sometimes we want to run from the abiding and we become like David in Psalm 55 and verse 6 where he says, Oh, had I wings like a dove, then would I fly away and be at rest. You and I know there's no rest apart from being abiding in Christ. But sometimes the old flesh, the emotions, the, 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 the pressures of life, uh, the buffeting of the wicked one, uh, we just want to run away. And where would we run other than to him? So let's just stay with him. Psalm 139 verses 9 and 10, uh, the psalmist says that uh, if he could with the speed of the wings of the morning... That's the speed of light. If he could, with the speed of light, find himself in the furthermost part of the sea, Psalm 139, verses 9 and 10, says, I would be away from God, but he says, no. God's there too. Can't get away from abiding if we have a heart and a desire to abide. So close is the Lord, he knows these wonderful truths, and uh, he wanted to share them with his disciples when uh, they were in, in this last night of their life together with him before his crucifixion and before uh, his coming back to them in a glorified body. He wants them to get this. I think it's important for us to get it too. The fullness and richness of life is to be found in him. Abide in me, says the Saviour. And you will find satisfaction in me, he says. You will find strength in me, he says. You will find solace in me, he says. You will find your sorrows turn to gladness. The other day we were, um, Liz and I were reading a little devotion uh, book. And uh, as I do, they sometimes end in a poem, so you'll excuse me if I... I just read this portion, but it really fits. Um, it was uh, from a, a little portion by uh, Mrs. Cowman. Um, her husband was a missionary in China for many years. 
Uh, and it's uh, on the text uh, from Psalm 34, verse 5. They looked upon him and were lightened or were made radiant. Tying us back to the very beginning of uh, our little message here. Uh, the gods we worship write their names on our faces, she says. The gods we worship write their names on our faces. And then she closes uh, with this little poem. How lovely are the faces of the men who talk with God. Lit with their inner sureness of the path their feet have trod. How gentle is the manner of a man who walks with him. No strength can overcome him and no cloud his courage dim. Keen are the hands and feet, ah yes, of those who wait his will. And clear as crystal mirrors are the hearts his love can fill. Some lives are dearer from uh, drearer and from doubt and fear, while others merely plod, but lovely faces mark the men who walk and talk with God. We sing a hymn sometimes, O to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. Stamp thine own image deep on my heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that uh, we can see in a vine and some branches and a, a cluster of grapes uh, the beauty of what you have for us if we would remain with you, uh, if we would resist the temptations to run away from you, uh, if we would be strong to stay when things are hard, uh, that we would then one day uh, bear fruit for your glory, that we can ask in your name uh, in accordance with your will uh, and that we will stay long enough to hear the answer if it would please you that it would be in our lifetime. We thank you, Father, for your goodness to us, and we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.